0: Hello friends and welcome to To The Point, the home services podcast that focuses on marketing and operational solutions to help you get better. Because if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. Now let's cut through the bullshit and get to the point.
1: Point listeners, what's going on? It's your boy, Chris Yano, host of To The Point Home Services Podcast, along with my main man, Tall Paul. What's going on, my
0: co-host? Yano, brother, good to see you, man. Always a pleasure. Um, I don't know when this will air, but this is coming off of actually seeing you a week ago and spending a week with you. Um, I guess we called it brochure distancing out in the, the hills of Wyoming. So I'm refreshed. I'm excited about our guest today. And uh, glad to be here, man. As always.
1: Yeah, man. We did brochure distance, and we actually kind of horscial distanced because we were out <laughs> in the uh, the Grand Tetons. Which, uh, Paul, what does
0: that mean? <laughs> uh, Teton means breast <laughs> of the earth, at least in Spanish. It's huayahota. Um, but Tetons means just like it sounds. Tetons. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So you were blown. Away, you were blown away by that. You were like, who named it? Like yeah. it just. It, it actually,
1: had actually was brilliant, and uh, but we went riding uh, on an on a, a incentive trip, um, a few of us gentlemen from uh, Rhino, and uh, it was pretty amazing to be out in the middle of nowhere with no cell service and no Wi-Fi until it, it was scary, so I experienced nomophobia, which means I had no mobile phone, so it's a real thing, and it happens. Okay, <laughs> let's get after it, so uh, to be uh, aware of our time and to be uh, courteous to our guest, who I am super excited to have on board um, we have lots of mutual customers. Um, been in the business. He's like an OG in the home services space. Um, great guy. Um, we have a lot of similarities on our characteristics and just how we and you know, how we operate our businesses. And um, just a good dude, man. And, and a lot of mutual customers who have said a lot of great things too, which is uh, you know, holds a lot of val- validity to it. But I want to introduce our guest. Um, he is actually on the East Coast in Jersey. Um, a, a, now, is that considered North Jersey or is that still South Jersey? That's South Jersey still, right? That's North Jersey. Where are you at?
2: I'm like West Jersey.
1: Okay. So, like 40, like 40, like you're north of Cherry Hill, like which is Phil. Yep. Okay. Whatever. So, anyhow, um, <laughs> I'm going to get into this up s- in the sticks. Up into sticks. Uh, my wife's uh, family lives in, uh, in Jersey. So, um,
0: so m- most people think that Jersey. Is Newark? They just think Newark is the you know extends everywhere, but Jersey's got rural areas and lots of pretty places to do things like ride bikes. Oh lord! Farm animals.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Wait a, lot a of second. Farm animals here. A lot of lot of corn, cows.
1: Yep. Well, listen, I'm not opposed now to that you know. since I grew up with that stuff. Um, so our guest, man, you've been in the business well, like a quarter of a decade.
2: Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't been able to find a better job, so I mean I've just been sticking with it.
0: Makes so. perfect sense. Now, Chris, quarter of a decade is is 2.5 years just a uh, Oh I shit, I said
1: decade. What's a century? Good. Century? There you go. Yeah. Yep. Quarter of a century. Close enough. You it know what? It feels like that. I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night and that's bullshit because I didn't know Okay. I thought I knew. I thought I was going to be a mathematician. Uh, anyhow, so 25 years in the uh, graphic design biz, the brand biz, I would like to say. Um, dude, you wrote three books on logo design and branding, and I had no idea of it. So I'm just now finding that out. That's pretty impressive. I've never written a book. I've only read three books, so you've written as many as I've read. <laughs> uh, and but you, what, the thing is, uh, you used, the name of your company has is, is changed. You essentially did a rebrand, which makes perfect sense. Um, to be an advocate of it, but um, you've worked with, what, over 1,500 brands, um, over 500 of those being in the, um, or around 500 of those being in the HVAC and, and, and plumbing space, um, but you've done a lot, a lot of stuff all over the world, too, which is, which is pretty, uh, pretty remarkable. Um, you have some of the coolest wraps I have ever seen in the home services space, and, again, a lot of those are mutual customers of ours. You've been crushing that game for a long time now. Um, lots of, uh, lots of awards. I think it's like something like 25 awards over the last, you know, five years. Um, but, uh, Mr. Dan Antonelli on the show today is going to get, going to show us how to get it done in the brand game. And, um, and what I heard, uh, actually not what I heard. What I saw when I went to the website was something odd. When I went to the kick charge website, I saw something odd and I was like, what in the hell is that person doing? riding a damn bicycle in the middle of the office. And then I learned that you and tall Paul have something in common. And I promised Paul, I would give you guys a few minutes to talk about it, but you're both avid cyclists. And uh, okay, so ready and go.
0: Okay, so I'm super excited to have you on today because I wanted to talk bikes for the entire segment. However, Chris gave me 120 seconds and I've just used 10 of them. So I want to focus on one Uh, element of your cycling that you just did a week or so ago Um, you climbed what 15,000 feet over the course of what nine or 10 hours and 90 degrees to give someone an example I I can't even put that into context because if you're not a cyclist it sounds stupid but if you are a cyclist it sounds even more stupid because that's really really hard to do so tell me about that um, tell me about that experience set it up for our listeners.
2: Yeah, so you know, there's no racing anymore here in New Jersey. So you know, I raced the first week um, in March, and then everything was shut down after. So you know, you just start getting bored with goals, and you know, what are you doing out there on the bike? And normally through the whole summer, I'm racing. So I found out about this thing called everesting, and everesting is is climbing, um, you know, up a single hill as many times as it takes to get to the top of uh, the same altitude as Mount Everest. So I did a half Everest, which is about 14,000 something feet. And I did a little bit extra just to make sure I didn't go under, uh, cause you get like certified by the website and everything like that. So I started at like five in the morning and then I was done by like, you know, three in the afternoon or so I had a couple little breaks, but it, it was, it was awful, um, and, and brutal. Um, and it, you know, as soon as I got off the bike, I was just like, there's no way I'm going to do a full one. And it was about three days later, I started thinking about it. And, and and now I'm just starting to lay the foundations about maybe doing a full attempt in maybe October when it's not 95 degrees. So uh, a full one would probably be about 18 or 19 um, hours or so to to do it. So uh, I don't know, Well, I'm still thinking about it, but yeah, it was all I, I
0: like how you're wired. So the thing about cycling is it, it was only a mile long, um segment right yeah so you climb for a mile which is brutal every pedal stroke right and then you ride downhill for a mile but it's not enough time to recover so your legs are still fried by the time you're starting again
2: yeah yeah it's 41 repeats so um you know it was it was uh it was tough the last five laps were, were just bad like and and at lap like 31 i nearly bagged it because i was just so overheated and i couldn't get cool and i had to just get in the car and turn the air on and and just chill for a little bit and then i had a buddy come pace me up the last five laps who made sure i didn't die on the way up which was which was kind of cool so
0: so how good was all the food you ate the rest of the day though
2: (laughs) um you'd be surprised like i didn't really eat that much i actually felt really sick after Yeah. So, so I didn't have too much. And uh, it took me a couple of days to really kind of find my bearing again. Um, I had dropped about five or six pounds during the course of that ride. Um, so um, took a little while to get back in the swing of things, but uh, I'm back. I took, you know, kind of a recovery week last week and, you know, I started getting back out um, the beginning of last week and, you know, still, you know, still a little sore actually. So sounds
1: miserable. <laughs> well,
0: I love it. I get it. And Chris, thank you for indulging me for two minutes. I'll let you take it back on the rails. Okay, We'll talk offline.
1: <laughs> well, that sounds miserable, but I can understand how it's rewarding when it's all done. That's part of the mental piece of things that I love is the challenge like that. So, um, so in addition to cycling, uh, Dan is the president and creative director for Kick Charge Creative, which I'm certain uh, there's a handful of our, cus- our listeners who know exactly who he is and are probably customers. So, um, we have Dan on the show today to share with us about branding. And if you hear the word brand and you feel like you want to turn this thing off right now, uh, don't. You're making a massive mistake because it has never been more important than it is right now. And if COVID exposed anything, it's exactly that. Um, If you didn't have a brand, you're in deep shit. You really had to pivot and do some things. Um, So, I want to get into it, and I want, Dan, if you would, um, one, welcome And um, I want you to go right into um, just a little bit, I think, define to you like what brand is, because I've actually heard brand um, explained in multiple different ways. Now you're in our space, you're in the home services space. What is brand and how do you define it?
2: Yeah, and, and I think that's true that you hear so many different sort of definitions of it. You know, brand is what people say about your business behind your back. A brand is, you know, if people were describing you to someone else, how would they talk about your company? That's that's all part of it. You know, I look at brand almost like a wheel. Um, and you, that's the easiest analogy I can make is that it's a wheel. And then, you know, of course, I'm a cyclist. So I've got to go back to the to the wheel. But the center of that wheel is your logo. Um, and and then the spokes that go outward uh, are all the touch points that integrate your logo so you have you have brand voice you have you know web you have uh, truck wraps uniforms for the guys business cards stationary brochures um, social media so all those things going around the wheel um, really comprise your actual brand so that whole wheel is kind of like your brand right so I always like to think about too when you talk about you know, when you don't have a solid brand right well what would happen so just imagine that your hub in the center of that wheel is is all jacked up right now that now that wheel doesn't turn the right way you know like it'll still kind of go around in a circle but it's not it's not spinning efficiently right so if you don't get that hub dialed in then everything else that that integrates that hub doesn't flow properly it doesn't work properly And, and that's where you see You know, a lot of a lot of companies that just don't get that hub right and they're spending so much time trying to get that wheel to turn and instead you gotta go back and fix that hub, otherwise it's never gonna turn right.
1: Yeah. How uh how how fitting you use hub and spoke?
2: (laughs) You know, if if it fits, you know.
1: Yeah, it's a good it's actually a really good analogy and I think one that you can relate to regardless. So that's that's pretty solid. I, um, I'm a good visual guy. So that gives me a, uh, I mean a good visual on, on how that works, but, um, brand is really a foundation. Like you got to have a good brand. I got to ask this question and it's not on, it's not on what we had, um, discussed, but I got to know, cause I, I heard it last night. Um, what's your two cents on people who use, um, their initials as, uh, as a, as of their brand or a their logo? Well, I, I'm
2: probably they're going to piss off a lot of people, but it's, it's just awful. It's, it's the worst brand strategy ever. Um, and it's the hardest. And the reason why it's bad is because, you know, the best brands are going to evoke a visual um, or a positive expectation of deliverable to go with it. So if you say I'm from, you know, TP, plumbing and heating, well, well what do I assume about that? Like, do I assume you're honest? You're I'm going to show up on time. You're going to do the right thing. Uh, or if I go to you know Expert Air, well, well they got to be good. They're called Expert Air. So so why not lead in with a positive brand promise um, instead of requiring all your other marketing to try to get people to understand what those initials mean? And and, and so you know when we get brands and listen, I've branded hundreds of companies with initials. Um, they're just really hard to get sticky in people's heads because there's no there's no connection to make. I can't make a visual to go with TP Plumbing. Like, well, what am I going to do? You know, so, so those are typically the hardest ones. And they also don't speak to any expectation of a deliverable. Like, I don't know what I'm going to get. I have to form that impression over time, over other advertising. But, you know, to me, the best brands, as soon as I see the brand, I see the name, I already feel something and I expect something, you know, that's the one thing too, that people don't understand is brands are meant, you know, especially in home service, they're really meant to counter bias. You know, that's the whole key. Like they already think that they may get screwed by a contractor because they're afraid. Like, listen, you could go in there and you could say, you know, hey, you need a whole new condenser or you need a $10 transistor. I don't know. That's not, that's not my world. Like I'm the homeowner. Like I got to trust you. Right. So they're already worried about who's coming, who's going to fix their their problem. Who's going to do it right. uh, Who's going to be honest. Um, And so brands are all meant to really counter that bias and to really speak to that expectation of a deliverable. So I don't know anything at all about you except what I've seen online, on your truck, the uniforms from your guys, the business card you just handed me. I'm already forming a whole bunch of impressions about you. Why not control that conversation, right? Why Why not have them believe something about your business before you even ring the doorbell? Like the guys we work with and the same guys you guys work with when they ring that doorbell, they kill it, right? They they're awesome. They're doing the right thing, right? But let's control that perception before they even get there. Let's have yeah. them believe that you guys are going to do an amazing uh, service to my home before they even get there. And that's really all what brands are meant to do, the good ones.
1: Yeah. And perception is reality. So you got to you got to you got to get it right up front before you even have any contact with them and like you said a brand can make you feel an emotion and emotion will make them take action. So it's just a, a, a part of the process. But I also believe that there's a lot of contractors, you know, because a lot of our technicians have stepped out and did their own thing and they don't really know. So, um, it, but then they get afraid to change that, right? Like it's like a, Hey, I've already got this. I've had it for 15 years. It's been DNL or DNH or whatever, air conditioning and plumbing. Um, and then they get afraid to make that um, change. It's just because they didn't know they made a poor brand choice. They just made the decision based off of the information that they have. So now they get to the point where they're like, okay, man, I just saw this post of, you know, of this company's rap that looks so sick. And, oh, you know, Kick Charge did it. Um, man, I'd like to make a change, but I'm scared to death. Like, what do you say to that to that guy or gal that comes to you and says that to you?
2: You know, we, we've done so many um, renamings from initial-based companies, um, and we've never seen that transition results in a decrease in sales or revenue or anything like that it's always resulted in something much more positive um the way you roll it out there's a method to rolling out a new brand and a rename uh letting the customers know why the change is taking place Uh, but we've just never seen an instance where that's been a mistake but but to your point you know listen you know old logos all brands old names and and things that don't actually work in their favor, they're like a warm blanket, you know, and, and the, the clients are like, well, I've been doing this for so long, and it's been working, why would I ever change it? And it's sort of the wrong idea to think about. It's more like, well, imagine if you had a better brand, like how much more you'd be killing it right now. Like you're working against all these things. You're working against maybe a bad name, maybe a bad logo, um, you know, and then all that stuff being integrated on all your marketing channels aren't delivering the things that you want. So what do you do? You bang more money at it. You keep throwing more money at it. You're like, OK, well, I'm going to increase my budgets. I'm going to spend more money. OK, well, dude, like, why not just fix what's wrong with it first? And I guarantee you all those other things are just going to work so much better. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we've done so many renames and, and after the launch, you look at you look at six months after and. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, my God, I wish I had done this sooner. You know, so we just don't ever really see that decision come back to haunt it, especially if it's something like an initial base brand. Um, you know, you know, people just don't remember it. And then you're really fighting for that um, to have them remember your name when they actually need to, to call you for service.
1: Yeah. So what I heard you say was that um, I heard you say never, um, but more often than not, um, it's always a positive. It's always a positive, you know, turn like. Um, and and I've had to go through a rebrand before as a company. So for the first, anyway, who's listening for the first time, I'm also the CEO of a company called Rhino strategic solutions, which is a digital marketing company for the trades since 2008. It's all I've done. Um, but I had to go through a rebrand as well. And I was afraid to death of thinking like, oh my gosh, you know, I, I five years in on this company, I need to go through a rebrand. It just made sense for me. When I pulled the trigger, I was amazed on actually how well it went and how um, well received it was and how easy. It was, it was just in my own, in my own head. So, uh, I've yeah. been through it. I've been through it. You went
2: through and it. And we have to, you know, I, I changed the name of this company after 22 years. Right. And, and, and you also talk about, well, why, why do you make a change? So our previous name was called graphic designs. And that originated from when we did graphic de- design work. And we also did a lot of design and truck lettering. This is like 25 years ago, 22 years ago. Right. But it, first of all, it wasn't who we were anymore. Second of all, the name is like, well, we don't really do graphic design. I mean, we do, but not really. And then we don't do any sign work. Um, we do design work. So it's like, well, why are we still called this? It doesn't capture the energy. It doesn't capture who we are today. So I had to take a hard look at myself, too, and just say, you know what? This isn't, this isn't who we are. Uh, and so I went through the process as well, completely redoing everything. And listen, for, for, for us... I mean, the implications were were substantial, right? I mean, the website, redoing our own website, all the marketing materials, the collateral. Uh, I mean, there was so many things that we had to do. Now, granted, that's what we do. So like, but still, it was a huge undertaking uh, for us to go through it. But, but, oh my God, three years, like I just saw, you know, my Facebook memories, that it was three years ago yesterday that we renamed and rebranded. And like, oh my God, it's been like, We've had such great growth since then. People know our name. They think it makes sense. They think it's cool. They think it captures the energy that we bring to the table. So it it was such a great thing that we did. I'm so glad I went through it. But I do have a deeper appreciation for it as well with the clients that we work with to to know that they have a connection with it. And I'm not trying to diminish that connection. um, But I do have a deeper appreciation for their affinity to what they've had, right? Because they've been using it for a long time. I had the same thing. 22 years I was using it. But I, you know, I said, you know what, if I, if, if I want to take this company to where I want to go, I can't get there with what I'm doing currently. So I had to pivot and make a change as well.
1: SmartAC.com, SmartAC.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, twenty-four-seven monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with SmartAC.com. You have gotta check it out now. Yeah, so that, yeah, I think that um, it's sometimes you just, it's the you have to do it, um, but again, you you just don't be afraid of it. So if you're listening and you think you've been thinking about doing a rebrand, um, don't wait again. I saw, unfortunately, having been in this business a long time when this whole COVID stuff happened and it's still kind of like going on. I mean, I'm, I'm in Arizona. So like I'm in a hotspot. Right. Um, But man, I've seen so many businesses that didn't have a great brand impacted by it. So um, don't do nothing, do something, make a change. And, uh, and as we go through this, you'll learn some more tactics on, on how to go about it. You know, because, um, you know, Dan's really helpful in at least giving advice and, and like most people we've had on here that are willing to help. And, uh, even if you, um, aren't in a spot where you can work with Dan or another branding agency, or anything like that, you, you can at least get some tips on how to start, you know, preparing to make that change and things, things of that nature. So Paul, you have any questions for, uh, from a man, Dan?
0: Yeah, Dan, I would imagine that you're evaluating contractors, brands, you know, several every day or every week right people come to you and they say what can you do what would you recommend yep. that's a big part of what you do mm-hmm. what are the the things you see that are reoccurring bad things negative what kind of patterns do you see on that side and then what are the elements of a good brand like where do you try to take people and you can start at the hub you can work your way down the spokes however you want to to address that
2: yeah I, I mean listen so many people do contact us and we, you know we're blessed to to be well known and and to have a lot of people very interested in in what we do. Um, But you see, you know, they see our work and and then sometimes they just want a really cool truck wrap. And then they, they send their logo and they're like, you know, we really love what you do. Here's our logo. And, you know, you look at that and you're just like, I can't do it. Like I can't, I can't deliver what you're asking me to do with that logo because there's so many deficiencies in either how it's executed. Uh, maybe there's legibility issues, maybe the way the art is rendered is is, is amateurish, maybe it's just clip art. Um, so you see, you know, guys that are interested in, and in, in, in sometimes just even getting a really effective truck wrap, and then what they send me will never work. Uh, and it's at that point, I'll have that conversation and say, listen, like, I'm not going to take your money to do a wrap that I know is destined to deliver a poor ROI. Like, I, you know, I just don't want to be responsible for that. And you know, I'm sure someone else, you know, maybe willing to work with that and th- and that's cool, but it's just not who who we are. Um, so you see issues like that where, where you just know fundamentally when that brand needs to be executed in that particular space that it's not going to function well. Um, and then, you know, as far as other things you're evaluating again, like, so they're coming to me with something and then I'm forming an immediate impression because that's what I do. But like, so is Mrs. Smith or Mr. Jones. Um, who is also looking at your truck. So what impression is that brand delivering um, and making sure that that impression is positive um, and sticky? So like, even for you guys, obviously, you know, um, in the digital space, like, would you rather your clients need to rely on someone typing in heating repair Phoenix, or would you rather them just typing in their name already, because they already know the name? You know, like, obviously, that's how you win the battle on the streets. And that's kind of the connection that we see is, is you know for the guys that we rebrand we reintroduce the the uh, the, the new logo on their vehicles uh, you know online etc that that now they win the battle online as well much easier because people know their name now and it's not a question of a relying on google or being at the top of google like obviously you still got to do that i'm not saying that suddenly you can eliminate seo or pay-per-click or any of those other things but that's really where you want to go so what we see is is guys that invest in this and do it right actually do not change their advertising spends but suddenly revenue is up 30 40 50 60% in a year with changing nothing except the brand so that tells me that that the ROI is substantially impacted across all the ch- channels when you do that brand correctly you know from the first from the first place
0: yeah i would yeah i think go ahead, oh, go ahead chris i'm sorry good Paul. I was going to say, not a lot of people who do branding want to talk ROI because it can be hard to measure. So has it been your experience that clients will uh, make this move, rebrand, start at the hub, work their way out, and then ROI comes quickly after that?
2: Absolutely. I mean, there's a page on our website that has like 30... examples mm-hmm. and the timelines as far as revenue increases post-rebrand. Now, I'm not going to say I'm going to take 100% responsibility of increasing someone's business, but I will say, and and, and those clients will speak to it, that the brand was the, the, the thing that started it all, that made everything yeah. work better. Um, so we're very diligent about recording uh, revenue at the time. Time that a brand launches mm-hmm. um, and then looking at it six months down the road or a year down the road and, and and seeing what what has changed and we're also very cognizant of well what else changed as far as your advertising budget but if your advertising budget remained flat then really what happened here how did how did we suddenly grow you know 30 40 50 percent in six months like would well, you tell me how that happened like you know so so looking at those numbers we we also can do hard data as it relates to to vehicle wraps as one of the other methods of measuring roi so you could look at at um, the inbound call tracking right if the csrs are recording inbound inbound lead sources and you could look at a year prior to a rebrand and a year after rebrand i'll give you one quick example of gem plumbing heating um, in rhode island a really big contractor with like you know 100 vans we rebranded them they wrapped 25% of their fleet and experienced four times the number of phone calls <laughs> post rebrand a year later. Awesome. So that's only with 25%. They got four times the number of phone calls with this with only 25% of the fleet wrapped. So you want to extrapolate that out? Out that's 16x, right? I'm sorry, not 16. It would be 12x, but still, it's a huge amount of our you know increased revenue attributed directly to that rebrand. So, you know, we, we very carefully are tracking that information to make sure that we know that, that it's working.
0: Yeah. Are, are truck wraps usually the first element that your customers want to go after? Once you, yeah. let's say you've done a complete rebrand, truck wraps are first.
2: Yeah, yeah. Generally, it's, it's truck wraps, stationary, and then we'll look at collateral, we'll look at web and, and things like that typically. But definitely the trucks to me are the single most important implementation of that brand. Um, and if you don't get that piece, right, um, you're really missing an opportunity within the community. You know, you really want those trucks as you're driving by, um, or they're parked on your neighbor's lawn. You want to leave a a really solid impression and make each impression count there.
1: So I can attest to, um, because we're only digital marketing, um, we do know those customers of ours that actually have a good brand, um, perform better. It's not even a question. Um not everybody's in that position. So like you got to get there and not have to rely heavily on uh, other direct response sources to bring in volume. Um, I want, since we're on the, on the topic of, of wraps, let's just talk about that for a second. So how do you go about figuring out a brand strategy um, for your, for your, well, for these wraps for any cut? Like, do you have these specific things that you say, Hey, if we're going to do it, if your focus is, we're going to wrap these vehicles, what are the things that you that these guys should focus on like on like because you've done a bunch It's almost like when, it, when when we have to build websites and we've built thousands of them for the same types the same industry for a decade, they got to get creative like and start figuring out new things. There's some of the same principles in place that we're utilizing, but you got to continue to evolve. Like what are the key things that you look at if you're like, hey, I'm gonna, you know, we're gonna do this rebrand and we're gonna wrap the truck. These are the things you wanna think about when you're wrapping a vehicle. Are there anything like do you guys have any any like things like that that you had boxes you checked that you or principles that you use when creating a wrap?
2: So so the most important piece, first of all, is just to make sure you have a good brand that's worth getting a wrap for. So if you don't if you don't have a good brand, then you can't go move on to step one. So you always gotta make sure you've got the right foundation there. Uh, but before you even get to that point. What we do when we develop a new brand is we look at the competitive space. Okay, so so there's market analysis that we do where we look at all, let's say, their top five to ten competitors, and I want to see what all those brands look like, and then I also want to see what colors they're using and what brand strategies they're deploying. Are they using mascots? Are they are they using clean and modern? Um, you know, what colors are they trying to own in their particular space? Um, And then from that point, really then think about, well, how do we develop something that will be disruptive and unique in your space, okay? So we want to own our brand colors. We want to make sure that when they see these vans and and they're colored a certain way, they only think about our brand, not five of the other guys. So like if you're heating and air, typically I want to avoid red and blue, right? Because it's so popular within the trades to have a red and blue van or red, white and blue van if you're HVAC. Um, So... I can't own those color schemes. So I'm trying to think about ways in which I can own a strategy that is different than what everyone else is doing in your particular market. And then the other part too, like we, like we just mentioned earlier, is, is thinking about even beyond just that part of the strategy, but what kind of story can we tell that would be unique in your space? Uh, is there anything about your culture that makes your company very different? Um, you know, even like the branding that we did for Ken at Gettle, talking about the boy holding the flashlight and, and how that story was integrated in the rest of their marketing. So I try to look at it, not just as far as developing this really cool truck wrap and this really cool brand, but but how is this story now of this brand going to be told throughout all these other, other channels? Um, so definitely color is super important on the vehicles. Um, legibility is so important. That's where you see guys really, really miss the mark with legibility. Like the thing rolls by and you can't read it. I don't know who it's for. You know, and they think that putting more and more stuff onto these wraps makes them more eye-catching. And it's actually the opposite. It takes away from your brand. You know, we preach against photos. We don't think photos belong on truck wraps. Like, okay, you're a heating and air guy and you throw a condenser unit and you know, it's on a green grass and a blue sky. Well, terrific. You sell heating and air conditioning equipment. Who are you? I don't know because I can't, I can't see your name because I've got this big ass condenser unit on the side of your van. So like those don't those don't represent your brand. They represent what you do, which you know I get is important, but if your brand should be telling that story, not not these images of people with a guy hanging off the back of the van and 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 you know the generic technician guy. Like all that stuff is just blanding, right? That's that's what I call it. I call it blanding. Um, so don't bland, like just brand instead. Blanding is like what everybody else is doing. And and the irony is is that the stuff that we do, I think sometimes it makes guys uncomfortable because they're so afraid to disrupt, right? It's so easy to do, to do blanding, right? It's so easy to say, Hey, I'm going to get a cool logo. And yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And and I think, you know, it I, I know what logos should look like for heating and air guys. And, and they get kind of comfortable with it. And I'm trying to push them outside that box and say, dude, like I don't want us to look like what anyone else is doing or has thought of. I want us to be really different in, in your space. And you got to get them used to that idea because sometimes they're like, you know, their instinct is to sort of curl up on that. You know, they're like, oh, like it's so different. I'm like, yeah, that's why we're doing it because it's so different. Yeah.
0: Now you mentioned mascots. What's your take on mascots?
2: You know, mascots, again, are going to be largely dictated by the service area and the mm-hmm. competitive landscape. You know, I'll go into certain markets where, where we do the analysis and, you know, nine out of the 10 competitors all have mascots. And if that's the case, I really don't want to go in that same direction, um, because it's going to be very difficult to do something that feels really unique in, in, in that space. And there's certain areas where it's just weird, where there's a heavy concentration of, of that type of approach. Mm-hmm. And then you go in others where there's none. It's just bizarre. Like, I don't really know sort of why that, that sort of concentration happens. But it's almost like it seems silly, even for those other companies that are doing similar brand strategies. Like, why would you want to do something that looks like what everyone else is doing in, in your space? It doesn't matter what they're doing in other states and things like that. It's more about what's happening right in your own own community. So, guys, are, some guys are like, "Oh, you know, mascots are overplayed," and 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 yeah, there's certainly a lot of mascot brands, and we've probably done you know a few hundred of them. Um, but it, it's largely you know going to be driven by what's actually happening in that particular space. Um, so yeah. like I said, if I see a bunch in, in the same area, then I don't want to really do another one and add yeah. to it.
0: Are, are there other nuances as you look across the country that might be, you know, more important in the Pacific Northwest or not so important in New York, New Jersey, like do you see any differences there with brand strategy?
2: Sometimes, like depending on the name um, and their location, you may be able to do something that's more thematic in nature. Like we did a brand for a company called Seaside um, that was um, near near the Delaware Shore. Um, So we, you know, kind of did a mascot that is a turtle holding a wrench. Um, And then I did another one for a a client that's in the Jersey Shore called the Shore Guys, and it's a guy on a on a surf. You know, he's on a surfboard, and the, the whole truck wrap has got kind of that that vibe um and a couple of things we did in, in orange county california that i don't think would play well in middle america um so so when you get a little bit more thematic in nature and certainly when the names are more thematic then they may be a little bit more um, of a regional strategy that makes sense more so in that particular region than, than in others
0: you right? did what, what about recruiting any um any impact on recruiting or you know people always talk about having a hard time finding candidates have you had any good stories there
2: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and that's something too, where, you know, you see a lot of guys lamenting, Oh, it's so hard to find people like no one, I can't get anyone And then you go look at sort of the image that you're they're projecting outwardly. And you sort of say, well, I don't know that I would want to work for you either. Um, So, so what you outfit the guys in how nice the trucks look, um, all those things play into recruitment. You know, do you look like a company that you want to work for? Um, And, and, That part, I think, is really important, you know, how you present yourself to your prospective um, employers, employees, is is largely driven by how that brand is perceived to them. You know, I bet you that Ken, you know, even at six or 700 employees at at Gettle, does not have the same recruitment problems that some of these other companies have that just don't have a, a really solid brand.
0: Yeah, you know, you mentioned Ken, and I want to talk about him for a second, because you know, a lot of people know Ken and Ken has a really big personality and people know Ken and they know what Ken's about, but you almost don't connect Ken with Gettle to a degree. Gettle's brand kind of stands on its own. So like Ken can say whatever he wants online in a small group and it, you know, whatever. Um, but but Gettle stands in and of itself where I see a lot of big personality uh, owners who can't separate themselves from the brand if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but you just made me think of that like yeah. Gibble is such a strong brand, yeah. obviously. Um, sure. I want to talk a little bit about disruption. So um, you've mentioned and I've, I've heard you mention this in the past, about disruption as a brand strategy is um, you know something that it makes sense to you and it works for you. Generally speaking, I find contractors to be conservative mm-hmm. in this area. Um, why are so company, so many companies afraid to disrupt? And you know what works? What are some good examples of that?
2: Yeah, I, I think they're just very comfortable, and and when you're advocating something that feels a little alien to them, they get a little scared about it. Um, and, and I think it, it's ironic because I think you know ten years ago I would have had a had a harder time getting some of these you know sort of crazy brand ideas that I had launched. Uh, without mm-hmm. having the depth of experience and being able to showcase that it's okay to be disruptive and it's okay to do something that doesn't feel quite so natural right now um, mm-hmm. and that, you know, it, it, it's going to work. Um, so you definitely do see that, that you know, it's almost like, again, like that warm blank. They see what everyone else is doing um, and they think that that's the way that they should do it um, yep. instead of like looking outward and saying, you know what, like, if everyone is zigging, then I really should zag and, and go opposite of what everyone else is doing. Otherwise, I'm just sort of running in the same direction and, and, and not necessarily doing anything that's distinctive um, in, in, in the approach. Uh, and the other thing, too, is like most guys do not really have a brand, right? Maybe they have a logo or right. something like that, um, and, but that logo is not infused and the rest of the channels properly, and there's no unique voice. And listen, you guys, when you guys write a website for somebody, you know you know when you've got someone that has something unique to say about what they deliver versus someone who's, there is no real distinction in what they deliver. So how do, how do you write about something like that that's, that's unique? But like if you have a brand for the shore guys and they're on a surfboard, well, well, dude, like the whole website can reflect that voice, and you can integrate that in kind of a fun way. Um, and to me, I think you got to think so much about um, how those stories are crafted. Um, and, and, you know, everyone could, you know, we could all do these really cool, cool websites, right? But Mrs. Smith is probably going to go to one, two, and three, maybe, right? So, so if she's looking at these, these three companies and the wording on all three websites sounds identical, well, then, well, then, well, what's, who do I pick at that point? Is it just the lowest cost? Who's going to show up the fastest? You know, how are we showing her um, that what you provide is different and, and, and unique? And I think that that's the part, too, where guys just don't don't get it. They're, they're just putting out the same exact messaging. And there's nothing compelling that consumer to choose you over over the other person. Hundred yeah, percent.
0: You're absolutely right. And you mentioned websites. So I want to make a, a quick comment. You know, um, obviously, Rhino Strategic, we build websites, plenty of them for our customers. And um, we've done plenty of, of websites for clients who've come to us with a brand that you have created. And what's interesting is you can put, you know, a dealer standard, I say a contractor standard brand um, next to your brand, build the same website using the same designers. And one looks like it is a custom $50,000 website and the other one looks like it's a template. And it was the same. And it's all because of brand. As one spoke of the wheel, um, it makes our job easier, which is going to make our job with Google easier, which is going to make the it's just it has a cascading effect on the entire business. So um, we just did one for you, Woodward, up in... Um,
2: yeah, for Scott.
0: Yeah. yeah, with Scott up in, up in Oregon. And, and I keep, poor guy is going to have so many hits from his website outside of his service area because I'm just so proud of it. And I think our design team did an awesome job, but look what we were starting with. Yeah. Like, it was amazing. So yep. we'll have to yeah. put, that in, put that in the show notes. Chris, did you want to add something? To yeah, me? yeah.
1: So, and I actually it already did. So and Scott will tell you the same thing. So um, that brand crushed it. So I also want to say um, two quick things uh, to go back because Paul railroaded questions like, no, I've never seen Paul before. That's okay. They were very thoughtful, Paul. Um, <laughs> but serious. you, you crushed it on Bueller. I thought Bueller was, whole, where was so? Where is that at? Where is he at? He
2: he's in, uh, he's in Jacksonville, Florida.
1: That's it, Jacksonville. Yeah. So yeah. that was awesome. Then he wrapped his boat with it, which I thought was yeah. super cool. That's right. So he, good, man.
0: Boat, what does his boat say? It's like Bueller's day off or something. Yeah, Bueller's yes, day so
1: off. Yes. So friggin' perfect, man. So that was good. awesome. But like. I, most people know Ferris Bueller, right? And they get the reference, and that was like, I thought that was super creative and so fitting, you know, like it, it works in that area. It works really And that tight. was
2: a rename too. you know he 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 had Air, Air source America was his name for ten years. Got you know it. relatively flat growth, you know incremental. but but you know, after that, like it's just been lights out, you know, it's just been, been awesome. He, you know, he walks into a store and, 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 you know, just wearing a, a logo shirt and Oh, you're the, you're the guy from Bueller You're Bueller. Oh my God. I see your trucks all over, you know? Yep. Um, and that's one of the thing too, I want to say too, um, that comment, right. I see your trucks all over. Um, guys often use that as, as a reason to say, well, I'm not going to rebrand. Right. But remember, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a question of just saying that they see your trucks all over. It's what does that impression deliver each time you see it. That's the, really the important thing, right? Because so, you can make your trucks purple and pink, that's right? Good. And they're driving around. Everybody say, "Oh man, I see your purple and pink trucks all over." Cool, but what does it say about my expectation of a deliverable from you? Is is really the important question we're trying to have control over? You know, so you can do something that's eye catching. That still delivers a positive brand promise. So don't get confused by saying, "Oh my God, you know, oh my customers say they see their trucks all over." Well, that's great, but what does it say about you? Is really the other part of the question, right? Yeah. Does it say that you're a professional, that you're honest, that you're going to show up on time, you're going to do the right thing? Is it communicating those aspects? Because if it's not, then it's not. It's only doing half the job. Then.
0: Yeah, Dan, do you ever find it that? Um, contractors have a hard time delivering the promise. So to give you an example, let's say someone says, hey, we're, uh, you know, integrity and value affordable, whatever those are. And then do you ever worry that they don't deliver on that? And then how does that deteriorate the brand?
2: A- absolutely. And, and you know, part of what we do is we try to research a bit about the companies that are asking us to do work for them. Um, you know, we we had a client once that wanted us to rebrand them and, you know, a quick review on, on Yelp and their business practices
0: mm.
2: made me feel really uncomfortable with the idea of presenting something that wasn't going to be true, essentially. So so basically delivering a lie. And I'm not right. going to do that. You know, so we we try to do our due diligence, make sure that they really are delivering a great service and a great product. They just don't look like they're delivering a great product and a great service. Right. So you marry those two things up and then it's lights out. But... Yeah, you're only going to get so far if it. After you ring that doorbell, you're not doing the right thing. Then no, no brand eventually is going to be able to overcome that hurdle. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: So you have integrity is what you're saying. That's what I heard loud and clear. It's not a bad characteristic of a of a company or a human being. Um, so I want to say this. Um, when we were talking about you no know, uh, making shirts or or hats or or merch, and, you know, like merch. I will say that, uh, and I'm going to stand up on a soapbox for a second. Um, it has been said numerous times that Rhino has the, quote, unquote, dopest merch. Okay, that was an actual statement made, well, not only by uh, one of our employees who said that. was one of the positive things he loved about working here. was He was proud to wear our stuff on it. But uh, I don't know, Paul, but if you've noticed recently and over the last year, we've been sending out a ton of swag to a lot of people who've been asking for for merch, man. So... Um, I like the idea of thinking, uh, it you know, is a logo something you're proud of to wear on your sleeve? Is your brand something you're proud of to wear on your chest? Or you know, that like my kids, you know, I've got from 21 to five, uh, 20 to five. Sorry, she's not 21 yet, um, but they like like they like our gear because it's got a cool, like it's got a really cool brand on it so um and that's something to think about is uh you know be proud of it i love that our employees really love our merchandise like that makes me super proud that they're proud to wear it and that feels good and that's a a, a, you know something that um you know it seems so simple but to me it means like it means a lot and the fact that our customers like say it like is super cool. So, um, man, make a make a brand that your that your kids are proud to wear. <laughs> so I got to bring this thing in, okay? Because we're getting super short on time. Um, I want to do a couple quick things, and then uh, and then we'll wrap. Um, I want you, if you wouldn't mind no pun intended. Yes. Then we're going to wrap. Um, nice catch, Paul. Uh, what does it look like if uh, if somebody wants to come and work with Dan? Because um, I know that there's um, like cost is all over the place, and it all depends on depends on what you do and the things that you do. Um, in addition to just creating the actual logo itself, but like quickly, kind of what is a a high level of um, you know or a ballpark on what it costs to do work with Dan Antonelli and Kick Charge.
2: Yeah. I mean, certainly it it varies. You know, most of the companies are coming to us generally between, you know, looking to get the vehicle and the brand done initially. And generally that's going to be, you know, kind of in the ballpark of around 10,000 or so, depending on what things are are added to that. Sure, yep. Um, And certainly costs are all over the place. You know, the only thing I would say and just recommend everyone is just make sure you're dealing with a professional. Like if you can't use us, I mean, obviously we'd love to work with you, but But just know who you're hiring you know there's a lot of chatter about using online companies and and crowdsourcing your logo and your brand um just just know that those those types of sources um, can be perilous um you know there's been thefts i I mean i've probably had about 50 or so of our brands stolen and resold on those sites to people who don't know that it's stolen and then they go wrap three vehicles and put it on their website and put on their uniforms. And then they, you know, we find out about it because a lot of people know our work and they're like, Hey, this dude stole your logo. And I'm like, yeah, great. So, um, you know, the cease and desist go out uh, (laughs) or the damage demands go out and, and, you know, all that stuff is thrown in the garbage. So, so just make sure whoever you're hiring, you know, don't use clip art in your brand. Another big mistake because you can't trademark clip art. That means the guy next door to you literally can use the same exact logo and you have no recourse against that so original art is super important um and and just make sure that you know they stand behind what they're doing like the problem with the crowdsourcing thing too is like let's say they they sold you something that was stolen and then you go do it you think you're going to be able to recoup your losses from the guy overseas and he's going to pay to rewrap all your trucks from the stolen logo that he sold to you so you know just be aware of some of the you know the, the the pitfalls that can happen i'm not saying it happens all the time some stuff happens fine you know but um, it's also a little bit different, you know, as far as doing strategy and really understanding the market and, and, and also how that logo needs to live on all the other platforms is also the other challenge. And, and most guys don't, don't really understand that. It's like, you know, maybe it'll look okay on a truck, but it's going to look like crap on your website or you'll never be able to get it embroidered or et cetera. So, you know, we approach these things trying to figure out holistically how this whole brand has to live in all these other channels.
1: Yeah, and so if somebody wants to get a hold of you too, it's not like even if they don't, you know, even if they just need to understand what to do, what to ask for, what to think about. Um, I know that you and your team are open to having a conversation, even if they don't end up being able to do business with oh, K Charge yeah. Creative.
2: Absolutely. So I, mean, I, I help a lot of people too. They'll send me a sketch or they'll post something on the the owners' groups on Facebook and you know, it, it's a truck wrap. And yep. you know, I'm always happy to give feedback. The one thing I hate to see is I hate to see guys you know essentially throw away money on on a really bad idea. Right. And if I could lend some support or some insight on sort of hey, you know what? if you just did this and move this over here and change the size of this, it'll be ten times more effective. Like I'm happy to do that as well.
1: So what's the best way that our listeners are that uh, they can they can get in touch with you or what's the best way? I mean, obviously the website, if you want to share that, but like what what is some other contact information that they can get a hold of you?
2: Yeah, they could just hit me up at kickcharge. dot com. And certainly at kickcharge.com, too, if they fill out the contact form, you know, the team here would be able to get in touch with them. A lot of times, you know, it goes through, you know, the, the salespeople and then they'll send me information about that client or ask me if it, it's a logo I think I can work with. And then if I need to have a conversation with the client about that specific logo or whatever, you know, I can certainly do that.
1: Wonderful. Well, listen. Thanks for being such a kick-ass dude in the home services space. With these, I mean, literally, I I think the best raps I've ever seen have come from Kick Charge Creative, and and I don't just say that because uh, you know we have mutual customers, and I have you know customers that are listening. It's legit how I feel. I mean, if you um, for those who um, are just listening and can't see, he's actually got a bunch of the trucks he's wrapped behind him on the video, and uh, some of those are customers but they're phenomenal. It's just next level. And um, I will leave you guys with this. Um, Don't ignore it. Don't mix up logo versus brand. All right. If you have questions on what's the difference, what the hell to look at, and you don't even want to talk to Dan, go to his YouTube channel. He's got a YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and type in Kick Charge Creative and watch some of his videos and he'll give you some more information because certainly you can't remember everything we just talked about, even if you go back and listen to it. But if if you heard him, It's okay. It's actually, you should be different. Um, Set yourself apart is what I heard him say multiple times from your competitor because you're all doing the same thing. You throw a condenser unit on your truck. You're just like everybody else who does heating and air conditioning. All right? Make yourself different. Be unique. Less is more, I believe, is something like kind of the path you're going on the wraps, like less is more in regards to don't put a bunch of shit on your vehicles. Make it simple. Make it easy. If they go flying by you, did you understand what they do. Um, and, and listen, I by, by no means am a uh, creative, like I can't, I can't draw. Um, my writing is terrible. Um, I can't build websites, which, you know, that's why I, I hire people smarter than me. Well, the company does a phenomenal job. My designers can crush it. They build phenomenal websites that produce, but I'm not a brand guy. And that's a difference. There is a difference there. And I do believe if you marry the two together, it 100% is the absolute best outcome, no matter what. If it's word of mouth, referrals, TV, radio, it all comes back to that hub, which is your brand. So if you don't know, now you know. So Dan, thank you so much for being on here, brother. I really appreciate you. Tall Paul, thanks for asking some super thoughtful questions. Uh, Listeners, hopefully you got a lot out of this. Um, Again, you can always reach out to us directly too if you want uh, us to put you in touch with Dan. We'd certainly be happy to do that. But Dan, appreciate you being on here, brother.
2: Thanks for having me,
1: guys. It was awesome. Awesome. Okay, until next time, listeners. Oh, oh, by the way, quickly, um, and I will mention this again uh, on some of the other future podcasts because we're super proud of it, but to all of our listeners, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for helping us hit number 32 overall on the Apple Marketing Podcast in the United States of America. And to our Australian listeners, which we apparently have a lot of, uh, we hit 45th overall marketing podcast in Australia to the Aussies. So thank you so much. We are so absolutely grateful for that. Until next time, keep listening and keep kicking ass.
0: Thank you for listening to To The Point. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please consider leaving us a review in the App Store. And don't forget to share with your friends. Till next time, kick some ass.